podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 26.2 miles in less than two hours and all things Olympic and Paralympic sport in less than 40 minutes. They're all thereabouts. That's our promise on anything but footy. Elliot Kipchoge's history-making run in Vienna is being applauded, but in Oregon the signs are being taken down and the paperclips put away as the Nike project is closed with pretty immediate effect. The website's gone, the social media accounts have been shut down. Elsewhere, Team GB have named more athletes for the next Olympics and there's been British medals in Russia and in Germany at the Boxing and Gymnastics World Championships, respectively. It's anything but footy, and I'm Michael. And I'm John, and in the next half an hour or so, with Elliot Kipchoge saying he wanted to inspire after his 159 challenge success, he did, and fellow Kenyan Bridget Kosgai smashed Porter Radcliffe's 16-year-old marathon world record in Chicago by a huge a minute and 21 seconds. Incredible stuff, or was it? Well, we'll come to... Everything distance running very shortly. We will be discussing at length the Nike Oregon project. We will be discussing at length Mo Farah, uh, Alberto Salazar, plus the impact for British athletics and Neil Black, the performance director, who's announced he's stepping down this week as well. But let's start, if you like, with the good news. 4.35 miles. Four minutes, 35 for a mile. That's not a bad 4.35 mile. Try doing it 26 times back to back. Or to put it another way, do 100 metres in 17 seconds and then do that 422 times back to back. That's essentially, well, that's not essentially, that's exactly what Elliot Kipchoge did in Vienna. The 34-year-old has beaten that two-hour marathon pace 26.2 miles in less than two hours remember he had a go in 2017 in Monza he was 26 seconds over but this time around of course uh, he managed to do it fantastic so we've talked about the sub 10 second 100 meters we've talked about the four minute mile 65 years ago but 26.2 miles John in one hour 59 minutes and 40 seconds. Quite an achievement. It is. It's absolutely ridiculous, to be to be brutally honest. As you say, the first in history to run under two hours, less than five minute a mile pace, as you've so expertly put. But don't forget this guy, you know, 34-year-old Kenyan, he's the Olympic champion and he's the world record holder as well. Uh, and, he's, and, he, and he, you know, ran it in race conditions as well, two hours, zero one for the world record. Now, this one won't be ratified. So the race that took place in Vienna wasn't really a race because it was him against the clock and he had a special course he had very special Nike shoes he had pacemakers who were one of the world's best uh, kind of protecting him and leading him he had this green pace line where there was a car in front of him with a, a light being beamed back in front of him and he had to keep up with that light to make sure he hit that record which which was an incredible however for anyone to say that this is not an achievement I really am really staggered that they are clearly just deluded because they probably don't believe that man walked on the moon, these people. Because, (laughs) you know, I'm sorry, but he has done something that we never thought would probably happen. And I think you can say, well, okay, it wasn't in a race. It wasn't, say, in the London Marathon. It wasn't even in the Vienna Marathon. It was, you know, his own conditions or lack of conditions because they were the perfect ones. But, boy, is it, is it inspirational. I mean, don't forget Sir Roger Bannister, you mentioned 65 years ago, 1954. He had two pacemakers and, you know, and he did the four-minute mile. 
But what I think, and I think um, you know, we'll hear from uh, Elliot Kipchoge in a moment, but what he sort of said, Michael, is, look, I want to open up the you know the record and show people that anything is possible i think the hashtag is no human is limited now when sir roger bannister broke that record just 46 days later somebody else did it and it and it opened up the floodgates and now what the world record's 343 or something for the 1500 meters and, and the mile so let's hear from kipchoge first you know he says he's so proud to create history but he is what he really wants to do is be an inspiration for people in and out of sport. I was really uh, patient all the way around. 500 to go, I tried to push a little bit, and I got it. I see, I was really, I, 500 meters towards the, the finishing line, I was really happy. I'm really feeling good to have done this. I'm a happy man to leave history, and I'm a happy man to leave a good legacy that uh, which can show the whole world that everything is possible. The, mo- the moment they are going out of their doors, that they think they should think positive. They should not have any limitation at all, not only in sport, but beyond the sport. And now, luckily, I urge everybody to just love the sport. You know, sport is helping those who don't help themselves. If you don't feel that you can't, so if you need help, it's only sport. Get out of your door and run. OK, then, John. So we've heard from Elliot Kipchoge there. Is it inspirational, or is the man, the woman in the pub tonight going to sit there and go, yeah, but do I really trust what I'm seeing with anything to do with the sport of athletics at the minute? OK, well, the first thing, did he inspire? Well, yes, he did, because today we have another world record. Uh, Bridget Kozgai from Kenya, who uh, in your neck of the woods earlier this year, broke the half marathon record at the Great North Run. She has now broken Paula Radcliffe's world record in the marathon by a minute and 21 seconds you know that is not just a shaving off that is a smashing of the london 2003 record that paula radcliffe ran two hours 15 and 25 not when she did the toilet break that everyone remembers for um so it was in, been quite a weekend for kenya lawrence chireno won the men's race uh, as well as the chicago marathon where cosguy did it uh, such brilliantly over over the weekend so she has so has has kipchoge inspired well, yes, it obviously has happened because you've then seen someone else go and produce another brilliant performance. And I think it's it's too easy to say, well, the conditions were too easy for Kipchoge. You know, Mark Cavendish, who you know I think is a is a is one of our leading sportsmen, has had thirty individual Tour de France wins, for example. You know, he tweeted over the weekend saying, "Science and technological advancements are part of pushing the new." And my issue with this, Michael, is that. Should Formula One go back to 50s type cars? Should tennis players go back to wooden rackets? Should cinder tracks be back for athletics? Because it's just progress. And, 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 and everything that they've done shows that you can do something if you want to do it. Anything is possible is what uh, Kipchoge wanted to show. And I really think he has gone and done that. And I think one of the other things that it's probably worth mentioning is that Elliot Kipchoge as well his physicality has been a key component of this yes he can wear those Nike Vaporfly trainers where they have a carbon fiber plate and you get 15% more foam in them and they have been specially designed to enhance energy uh, by bouncing it back up into the air which apparently other trainers don't do but Kipchoge's physicality I think is the key component I was reading that he has a very high lactate threshold which means that the lactic acid that you hear so much about in the of track and field doesn't affect him so much so it's his makeup I think which has put him in a position to, to do this um, I do think in terms of the general public the wider sport watching public 
It's something that has captured the imagination. You know, to get up early on a Saturday morning, it's something different. We've spoken many, many times, haven't we, about athletics need to to innovate, come up with some of these events, which people maybe the casual observers who probably didn't watch much of the World Athletics Championships in Doha because they're not that interested in it. They don't really trust what they're watching because doping has been such a huge issue. And that's something that we're going to be coming on to shortly. Mm. Uh, But I do think a lot of people got up and watched it just as an event and thought, well, actually, yes, you know, what I've seen this morning is a little bit different to what I would normally have been watching on a Saturday morning with one of those chefs off the telly. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think, you know, what we've also got to remember is there are a lot of people out there who are sceptical about everything. So, you know, they don't believe Usain Bolt ran 958 and 100 metres. They don't believe, as I said earlier, the man walked on the moon. Don't forget as well, Sir Roger Ballister, and and I'll I'll say credit to John Goodbody in the Sunday Times for this amazing stat that uh, I think is worth uh, pointing out to to everybody, that, you know, Sir Roger Ballister didn't even win Sports Personality of the Year (laughs) when he broke the four-minute mile. It was run by his friend Chris Chatway, uh, who'd beaten um, another race just a few weeks earlier. So... It's skeptical. We were skeptical in the fifties. We're probably still skeptical now. But I think we should say, um, you know, well done to Kipchoge. Well done to Koskai for that Chicago Marathon victory and the, and that new women's world record. Well done to Ineos and, and Sir, jo- uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe for sponsoring the whole event for the the race in in Vienna. And look, you know, I think that records are there to be broken. You don't want to see records like we see in many athletics events still there from the nineteen eighties, and we all know why they're from there, particularly in the women's events uh, from the nineteen. 1980s. We don't want to see them. We want to see them broken. No one thought that uh, Paula Radcliffe record would go. It has. And as Roy Castle and Norris McWhirter would say, dedication is all you need, Michael. <laughs> You're listening to Anything But Footy. We'll have more about long distance running. And, you know, whilst uh, the Elliot Kipchoge and the Chicago Marathon News has uh, been a bright spot this weekend, there has, of course, been some dark clouds over the sport with the closure of the Nike Oregon project this week. We'll discuss that in depth very shortly. Don't forget as well, we'd love to discuss something that you've got on your mind in the world of Olympic and Paralympic sport. Uh, you can tweet us at anything but F. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube as well, on Apple and Google Podcasts if you'd like to subscribe to us there and you'd like to rate us and maybe send your question via the uh, chat rooms as far as Apple and Google Podcasts are concerned. We'd love to hear from you. Plus, of course, we now have a new website, anythingbutfooty.com. So if you're surfing, if you're skiving at work this week, uh, well, maybe just uh, skive onto our website, anythingbutfooty.com, and you can uh, send us a message there. This is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. And quite an achievement for British gymnastics as Max Whitlock and Joe Fraser were crowned world champions in Stuttgart this week, and the Downey sisters bagged a silver and a bronze. All this as the women and men's team both confirmed their spot at the Tokyo Olympics next summer after qualifying for their respective finals of the team event. Now, Max Whitlock, the 26-year-old double champion in Rio, and overall five-time Olympic medalist, of course, he won three in London in 2012, added a third pommel horse world title to his collection after a brilliant display in Germany, and all that after he bounced back from a fall during the routine in the team final. And he scored a massive 15.5 Five zero zero. That is a incredible score. After 
afterwards, Max said, it's been a team journey with my coach, Scott Han, and my family, and our preparation has been incredible. Of course, he's become a dad in the last year or so, and apparently his wife's been on Twitter as well saying, come back, I need some sleep. Now, on a super Saturday for Great Britain, 27-year-old Becky Downey claimed her first world medal with a stunning silver on the uneven bars as well, and her sister Ellie, the European all-round gold medalist from two years ago, produced some brilliant vaults to win bronze as well. And then Joe Fraser made history winning Britain's first ever gold in the parallel bars final. He scored a straight 15.000 and admired afterwards and admitted afterwards that it was a huge shock. Here's his quote. Just wow. World champion. (laughs) Unreal. And that pretty much sums it up, I think. British gymnastics made it through to nine individual finals, including two all-round and seven apparatus finals, and the near-perfect 10 days in competition. So well done to all. We talked about them on our preview for Tokyo 2020 and whether British gymnastics could match seven medals from Rio. We talked about the team coming good and returning from injury. Seems like they're right on track for Tokyo. You're listening to Anything But Footy. Just want to mention a couple of other things about gymnastics. Reese McLenaghan won a bronze medal, the first Irish gymnast to win a medal there behind Max Whitlock. So history-making for Irish gymnastics there. And you mentioned Sports Personality of the Year. They always give an award, as we know, for an overseas Sports Personality of the Year. Elliot Kipchoge could be one. Bridget Koskai could be another nominee. (laughs) I would like to put forward Simone Biles in Stuttgart at the World Gymnastics Championship. Just listen to this. 24 World Championship medals now with a gold medal in the balance beam. That was her 24th. Uh, she's won 18 golds, including four in Stuttgart. She won four golds and a bronze medal in Rio. So she has a combined world and Olympic medal tally of 29, and she's just 22 years of age. And my daughter, my eldest daughter, is a member of British Gymnastics, goes to Darlington Gymnastics Club every every Friday. And she watches Simone Biles absolutely spellbound. And, you know, when we are watching gymnastics on the phone, for example, on YouTube, for example, when it's not on the television at a World or European Championships or Olympics or Commonwealth Games, when we're just watching it on the phone, she constantly searches for Simone Biles. And what an achievement. 24 World Championship medals, 29 combined medals at World and Olympic level. That is that is some going mm. by Simone Biles, you have to say. Another World Championships, of course, has been taking place in Russia. Uh, we spoke to Lauren Price, one of the GB boxers, on episode 27 of Anything But Footy. And she was taking part in the Women's World Championship boxing. Now, she was beaten by Dutch fighter. Stay with me on this, by the way. Don't switch off yet. Don't shout at your uh, podcast provider just now. She was beaten by Dutch fighter Nushka Fontin in the middleweight final. It was a split decision. Three judges gave the fight to the Dutch woman. Two gave it to the Welsh woman. That represented an upgrade on her bronze last year. But then the twist. GB Boxing appealed the result and Lauren Price was upgraded to gold. Lauren Price, who we spoke to on episode 27 of Anything But Footy, the former Welsh international footballer, is now a world champion boxer as well. Elsewhere for Great Britain, uh, Demi J. Resden won bronze on her world championships debut. She is definitely, I would say, one to watch and we spoke about this in our preview she actually does need to step up a weight if she's to be able to uh, fight or be eligible for the olympics because at the moment the uh, the weight category she's in is not an olympic weight category the feeling though at gb boxing is that she can do it she can make that step up and she's won a bronze on her debut at the world championships and karis arting still also won a bronze medal again there was an appeal here after her semi-final uh, great britain weren't successful 
Many people who know more about boxing than I do uh, believe that Great Britain and Karis Artinsil were very unlucky in not having that result overturned, but she had to set up for the bronze medal. All in all, it's Great Britain's best medal haul since 2012 uh, when the medalists were Tasha Jones, Savannah Marshall and someone called... Nicola Adams. And can I just say as well, Rosie Clark, who missed out in the quarterfinals, she couldn't say it afterwards, but we could say it. She was absolutely yeah. robbed in that one as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's anything but footy. This is your unashamed Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. So we've had some good news, certainly as far as uh, British athletes are concerned at those world championships in Stuttgart at the gymnastics and, of course, in Russia at the World Boxing Championships as well. But, well, it's no secret that the biggest sports story on most people's lips this week has been the closure of the Nike Oregon project. It's been closed down. The website's offline. Uh, the social media account have gone and basically I think following the the uh, the conclusion of the case if you like against Alberto Salazar a four-year investigation by the US anti-doping authorities and a two-year court battle which ended with him being banned for four years guilty of doping violations and there were three in particular I will read that the panel found him and the doctor Dr Jeffrey Brown guilty of uh, they found that they possessed and trafficked a banned performance enhancing substance they found they administered or attempted to administer a prohibited method and they tampered or attempted to tamper with the doping control process and I think Nike has just felt well we need to do something here. We need to do a PR offensive and they've shut the program down with immediate effect. They've shut it down, but their statement was um, not exactly damning, was it? They described it no. as a distraction, um, the uh, Nike Oregon project, and described those allegations, which you've so eloquently uh, read out, Michael, as unsubstantiated assertions um so it seems it seems i mean and we know that salazar and, and nike are, are appealing his four-year ban by anti-doping officials and you know this was the man who um you know led and helped and coached mo farah to six world titles and four olympic goals uh during the six years that he was in charge and we're talking about him because he used to coach mo farah and he, and he has coached so many of you know the great long and middle distance runners that we've known over the last years and years and years and I, I, I'm, I'm staggered that Nike haven't come out and been more kind of critical of that but they're obviously backing their man yeah well I would say just on the Nike point they are backing their man they stood by Lance Armstrong for a lot longer than they potentially should have um, Nike athlete Justin Gatlin Twice been banned um, for, for doping offences, of course. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, another athlete, a, a golfer, as we know, you know, that went through uh, not doping problems, but went through a myriad of issues in his personal and his private life. Nike stood by him as well. So, you know, Nike have history of, of sticking by their, their men and their women. And they, as you say, continue uh, to stand by Salazar. Um, they insist and, and stress that these findings do not involve the athletes on the programme. So who, who do they involve? And why was the coach up to, to these um, the, these things if indeed he wasn't then using the the small gains or whatever? Uh, the doping things that, that have been talked about here. Um, who was he using that on if it wasn't involving the athletes on the programme? 
And, uh, you know, the other thing that Nike have said is that the three charges that Salazar's been uh, committed were without an intent or effect to dope or cheat. And the panel have actually stood by and agreed this. A couple of things to mention. And one, we'll move on to the effect that this has had on British athletics this week. Mm. Um, I'll get your views on that. But does Nike, Nike have too big a grip on athletics? You look at that, that deal with British athletics, I think it's to 2030. You've got Seb Coe, who leads the sport, who, who was an ambassador for a long time and has openly admitted he should have stepped down beforehand. Two of the most mainstream broadcasters in, in Great Britain, certainly, Steve Cram and Paula Radcliffe, both former athletes, of course, now making their living or part of their living in television, are both paid Nike ambassadors. So how can they, you know, be robust when surely they're compromised in their journalistic opinions? And then you've got the next World Championships, which is going to Nike Town, Oregon. So that's my first question. Does Nike have too big a grip on athletics? And what potentially could be the impact with British athletics here? Well, I think the interesting thing with British athletics is that Neil Black, of course, who was the performance director, has uh, left or will be leaving. Um, We understand he hasn't been sacked, um, but his time is up after seven years. And he obviously did support Salazar, um, but he also was in charge of Doha 2019. And we talked about it in our uh, episode last week of Anything But Footy about not hitting the medal target that he set. And it was a pretty terse statement, wasn't it? Very brief from British Athletics. Uh, Very brief. Here it is. UK Athletics have announced Neil Black will leave his role as performance director at the end of October. Neil will commence a detailed handover with performance staff until his departure and will fulfil his role supporting Mo Farah at this weekend's Chicago Marathon. And that is it. And this is someone who's been in charge for for seven years, not even a a thank you and uh, and we wish him well. And yeah, we we discussed the potential fallout last week in in our pod Doha Dissected. But, you know, he described Salazar as a genius and said he had total trust and belief in him. Now, you you can hear the evidence that we've already talked about uh, that uh, that USADA has said in their investigation. I suppose the biggest question for me um, is it goes back to performance, Michael, and, and we're nine months before the Tokyo Olympics, less than 300 days before the Tokyo Olympics. They've got a new CEO at British Athletics, Zara Hyde-Peters, new chairman, Chris Clark. Now they need a new performance director for, for British Athletics. So this ramifications are kind of week in, week out, are having more and more of uh, an impact on it. And I think there's a huge impact on Mo Farah as well, because he didn't perform very well at the Chicago Marathon. In fact, his time of two hours, nine minutes and 58 seconds was his worst marathon ever. He finished eighth. He was the defending champion, having won his first marathon in Chicago a year ago. And he's been doing these for five or six years. You know, did them after 2012. Um, So it seems like he's been overshadowed by the Salazar affair. And again, I'm not sure he came out great when he met the media uh, on Friday before the Chicago (laughs) Marathon. I was going to say his worst performance as marathon running and, and probably his worst performance in a, in a press conference as well um, from Mo Farah ahead of the, the Chicago marathon. He did front up. Obviously... He, he did front up, yeah. though, to be fair. He to always him. does, usually, doesn't he? Um, it just doesn't seem to me to be fantastically well advised often with, with what he, he comes out and says. He always comes and, and sits and, and faces the questions. But I'm not sure this time turning you know, the, the attack on onto the media was, was the best thing to do. Um, and I speak, obviously, as a member of the media, so maybe um, long-distance runners out there might disagree with me. Mo Farah wanted to talk about the race, wanted to talk about split times, wanted to talk about marathon running. The media wanted to talk about Alberto Salazar, of course. So I don't think Mo Farah had 
ideal preparation going into this marathon. I think his his headspace was probably somewhere else over the the last couple of weeks. So you know there there is I think going to be decisions for Mo Farah over the next nine months whether you know he continues with the marathon, the opportunity perhaps to come back to the track and you know have another little pop at another Olympic medal in Tokyo. You know as you say, British athletics at the moment um, this week certainly there's been massive change at, right at the top and at the moment having come back from from Doha with big success stories of Katarina Johnson-Thompson and Dina Rasher-Smith of course must be looking and and wondering where those medals where those seven to nine medals might come as we said in our Doha dissected podcast you know there were some near misses Nick Miller in the hammer uh, Holly Bradshaw in the pole vault near misses in the relays they might come good but you know, it's a very big nine months um, for British athletics. Just on, on that second point then, does Nike have too big a grip on athletics? Does Nike need athletics or does athletics need Nike more? Well, I think Mo, even Mo said, well, they, they pay me. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and, and you know, and that is, as part of his talking to the media. And, and, and that is, a, is an issue. Of course, it's an issue. Um, if you want to be if you want to be journalistic, then you should be independent and you should have independent thought. You shouldn't be thinking about, well, who's my paymaster? And that is an issue. Now, I don't have an issue with Mo Farah being paid by Nike. He's, a, he's, no. an, he's an athlete and, and that's fine. But if you, want, yep. if you want to be a journalist, then I think that, you know, then you need to be a journalist and you, you need to be uh, 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 objective to it. So, uh, but also, I think as a journalist, you know, do you, do you think Mo was right to say that this, you know, it wasn't about him? that this is about Salazar and, you know, Mo has done nothing wrong. If you listen to every radio report or news report this week, they mentioned Mo Farah's former coach, but then they said Mo's done nothing wrong. So in other words, why do you then mention him? Because do you want people to, to be suspicious of him? And that is a question that I get asked quite a lot. But again, as from a journalist point of view, with my journalist hat on, I go, well, no, but it makes the story that, that Mo is the person there. And, and Mo should have come out and, and, and said in stronger terms that I've been let down by Salazar. And he didn't really say that. And as you rightly said, he started talking about a witch hunt and, and got kind of angry on, a, on, a, on his high horse a little bit, a bit like uh, Sifa Hassan, of course, did uh, in Doha. You know, don't yell and say you're angry. You know, come out and say, you know, it's wrong what's happened. And I can't believe I've been let down so badly. So what we're saying is, Mo Farah, if you're listening and you want some PR advice and some <laughs> media advice, uh, you can find Anything But Footy online now at anythingbutfooty.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can always drop us an email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Very quickly, are your... very quickly Go on. Um, your favourite, Tony Minicello, is in the frame. According mm. to The Guardian, Stephen Maguire, head of Scottish Athletics, Triathlon Performance Director Mike Cavendish, and Tony Minoncello are the names for the uh, British Athletics Director of Performance. Well, Tony Minoncello's never been backward in coming forward with his opinions. If you follow his social media accounts, he's, he is very opinionated, has lots of ideas, and a track record, of course, of working with not just Jessica Ennis-Hill, but other athletes as well, and improving them. So, you know, I don't think that would be a, a bad shout. That said, um, I don't think he's universally popular uh, with everyone. Should we put it like that? Has has put the odd nose out of joint over time. Um, but maybe to be a performance director at British Athletics, to hit that medal target of seven to nine, maybe you need someone like that in the role. Who knows? 
Uh, all things Olympic and Paralympic sport then on anything but footy. Uh, we'll continue with some cycling news on the way for you in a moment. A fantastic three days of competition for the British judo female team with four medals won and valuable Olympic qualification points gained as well at the Brasilia Grand Slam in Brazil. Nicoda Smith-Davis won a brilliant gold in the under 57 kilogram category after beating home favourite Ketelan Nascimento of Brazil in the final on the golden score. It's only the second time the 2018-year-old uh, world Championship silver medalist has topped the podium, so well done to Smith Davis. And there was silver for Natalie Powell in the under 78 kilogram, beaten by Cuba's former world bronze medalist Kalima Anno Macho in the final. Amy Livesey and Gemma Howell both lost out in semis to win bronze as well, but pretty good news for British judo. British Cycling have confirmed their team for the Urban Cycling World Championships taking place in China. BMX racing basically, to you and me. Uh, five elite men and two elite women. Ben Wallace and James Jones kind of top the bill, if you like, looking to improve on their 2018 fifth and sixth placings. Uh, Alex Colburn, who won a silver medal in 2017, also part of that squad. Sixth to the 10th of November, dates for your diary. Staying with cycling, European Championships on the horizon. Laura Kenny is going for three medals, and she's treating this as a rehearsal for Tokyo. So she's going for the Team Pursuit, the Omnium, and then she gets a day off before the Madison. That will be her schedule at the European Championships. In Tokyo, she'll get a day off between each event. It's the only chance, really, to see if her body can hold up and she can do it. Remember, she's a four-time Olympic champion. And who will be the odd man, odd men out? As far as uh, the men are concerned, Jack Carlin's been speaking this week. He's one of five riders looking for an Olympic place, up against Jason Kenny, Philip Hines, Ryan Owens and Joe Truman. The final track season before the next Olympics starts soon. It will include a World Cup event in Glasgow. It's getting squeaky bum time and more names have been added to Team GB to compete at next year's Tokyo Olympics. And as we predicted in Anything But Footy episode 26, delight for Dasher. A reigning Olympic champion Joe Clark misses out on a place in the canoe slalom in the K1, as does three-time Olympian David Florence in the C1 category. So some big shocks here. Bradley Ford Forbes, Cryans and Adam Burgess have been selected in the K1 and C1. Bradley was fourth in the recent World Championships in Spain. Burgess was Great Britain's first ever C1 under-23 World Champion in 2015. And Mallory Franklin got her first taste of Olympics watching as a spectator in 2012. Now she's selected for Team GB in the women's C1 class. The World Champion of 2017 won eight medals at the events in 2018 alone to become Britain's most successful female paddler. Kimberly Woods, who was sixth at the World championships is picked in the k1 class and in the canoe sprint reigning olympic champion liam heath will go to his third games looking to add to his bronze and silver and gold he won in london and rio the 35 year old from guildford is the olympic world and european champion and has been unbeaten in the k1 200 meters since 2017 it now means 17 confirmed team gb members after the 12 sailors were named last week and there is a further chance for Olympic places in the canoe sprint at a second round qualification next May. So no Joe Clark, the Rio 26 gold medalist, as John says. No David Florence, who's won three Olympic medals. But performance director Paul Ratcliffe, who said he was gutted for the ones who haven't made it, knows all about it because he won a silver medal in Sydney in 2000 but was not selected in 2004. What I would say about British canoeing is their system works. This first-past-the-boat system works. They've been a fantastic Team GB success story at the Olympics. This is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. And as you know, Mental Health Awareness Day has taken place this week, and it saw the launch of a new charity called Sporting Minds UK. It's been set up by a teenager who's told Anything But Footy 
all about it. My name's Callum Lee. I'm 19 years old and I'm the founder of Sporting Minds UK. So Sporting Minds UK is a newly formed non-profit organisation that seeks to raise awareness and provide support for positive mental health in young sports people. Um, we'll be focusing on three main areas. So firstly, to try and raise as much awareness for the importance of mental health in youth sport as possible in the hope to try and normalise the issue. This will be done through our social media platforms, our website and various events that we'll be holding. Secondly, to fund mental health education within sporting institutions through the help of our team of specialists that very kindly come on board with us. And lastly, to facilitate and fund direct one-to-one support for young sports people with mental health issues. And this will be done in association with Booper Healthcare, which we're really excited about. The reason why Sporting Minds UK is aimed at young sports people in particular is because I believe the journey from participation level to professional sport as a youngster uh, is extremely weight-bearing, both physically and mentally. There can be intense pressures from fear of failure, injuries, competition, and all of these factors can in turn really damage not only a potential career, but also a lifelong dream for a lot of young people. And this, as we've seen, is where mental health issues can arise. And if you'd like to get in touch with Sporting Minds UK, you can email them hello at sportingmindsuk.org or you can find them on Twitter or Instagram. That was Callum Lee, the founder of Sporting Minds UK. The British men's hockey team could only draw their final series before their crucial Olympic qualifiers in November. After winning the first match against Spain in Valencia, 1-0, thanks to Liam Ansell's goal, the Spanish got their revenge with a 4-1 thrashing to level the series 1-1. Next up for Danny Kerry's side, it is that Olympic qualifier. They take on Malaysia in two matches at the Lee Valley Hockey and Tennis Centre, the 2nd and 3rd of November, as they bid to book their spot at Tokyo 2020. And tickets are on sale now. Birmingham, of course, will be hosting the Commonwealth Games in 2022 and proposals for the redevelopment of Alexander Stadium. The Alexander Stadium have been submitted this week to planners at Birmingham City Council. It's a £70 million scheme to upgrade the stadium in Perry Bar in Birmingham and they want it to become a high-quality venue for sporting, leisure, cultural and community events. It will, of course, host the ceremonies and the athletics at Birmingham 2022. It's interesting because, basically, this is Birmingham City Council applying to Birmingham City Council uh, for planning permission to build the stadium. So I presume they're going to get it. And disappointment to end with for Great Britain. We've had all the success, I'm sorry about this, as they lost out on bronze medal in the European Championships of goalball in Russia. It's a team sport designed specifically for athletes with vision impairment and the teams of three try and throw the ball that has bells embedded into it into the goal. Unfortunately, after reaching the semis following a win over the home team and world champions Russia, Great Britain's women lost to Israel and then 8-2 to Germany in the third place playoff. Don't forget, check out our new website, anythingbutfooty.com. You can get in touch with us through the website, on Twitter, at anythingbutf, on Facebook, on Instagram, and also on YouTube. And we love getting your emails as well. Is there something we should discuss around Olympic and Paralympic sport? Let us know, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. And I'm looking out of my window right now, and I'm finding it hard to believe that currently there's a World Beach Games taking place currently because the beach looks a long way away from the rainy view out of my studio window. But if the past week has demonstrated anything, Elliot Kipchoge has shined a little light through the storm clouds over the sport of athletics. And the likes of Lauren Price, Max Whitlock and Joe Fraser are definitely 
bright hopes for Tokyo 2022. Little rays of sunshine, if you like. Sports Social Podcast Network.